the elders for uh, the invitation and again it's uh, it's always good when you can gather with other saints and worship God and sing praises to him and pray to him and remember the death of his son uh, th- this kingdom that we are a part of uh, beloved is uh, really the greatest kingdom on the face of the earth Uh, Because it is this kingdom that allows all of us to come together. All of us are from different places. Uh, I was born in Trinidad. Uh, That's where I was baptized. My dad was a part-time preacher. And uh, when my family and I, my mom, my sister and I moved to California, uh, we had family there, but we were looking for a spiritual congregation to worship with and we found one and they welcomed us and got to know brethren there and moving out here to Florida. When I moved out to Florida was away from my family and got to know my spiritual family out there and developed great relationships and it's because of what Jesus did that gave me that opportunity to get to know some good people. And so outside of the blood of Christ and God's kingdom, none of us would be together. But that's the greatness of the kingdom, and that is why it is the greatest kingdom on the face of the earth. Because we all come from different places, um, but we are bonded together by something stronger than anything the the world has to offer. And that is the blood of Christ. And so uh, that is just truly awesome to be a part of. And so I'm grateful... Uh, to be here this morning with you uh, as we uh, study God's Word. Now, folks, I talk really loud, so the microphone is going to turn that up, so I'm apologizing right now. But uh, when I first started preaching, I I didn't speak out. And one day, uh, one of the members there who does a lot of uh, training and seminars and public speaking, he took me to the church building one Saturday and he sat in the very back and he asked me to read a passage. And as I started, started to read it, he said, louder, louder, louder. And he said, hey, you're 6'5", you need to project your voice. So I'm just apologizing right now. Uh, I get pretty loud when I start. So uh, just have some patience with me and we'll get through it. Uh, in the book of Ephesians, uh, in chapter 4... <coughs> Beginning in, um, I'm going to read in verse 24, he says, But put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, and has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth each one of you with his neighbor, for we are are members of one another. Be angry, yet do not sin, and do not let the sun go down in your uh, your anger. Then you go to chapter 5. And uh, verses 1 and 2, it says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love just as Christ also loved you, and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice as a pleasant aroma. There is a lot of anger in our society today. There is lots of things when you turn on the news or you listen to the radio, I used to, for a long time, I was never into politics. And then about five, six years ago, I started getting into it, and I would watch the news, and uh, coming home from school or wherever it is I was, I would turn on the radio, and I would just be so inundated with what was happening in our society, politically, and all of these things, that it would just really ruin my day, because I would be so angry with what was going on. Uh, when my wife and I were dating, she, um, she lived not too far from me, about 15 minutes away. And uh, every time I would get off work, I would go see her and we would go uh, have dinner. And there was a, a small little Mexican restaurant uh, where she used to live, Poncho's, and great Mexican food. If you ever, in the Tampa Bay area, look me up, I'll take you there, man. Great food. And so we would go, and uh, we'd be sitting down, and she'd be telling me about her day, and I would look at the watch, and I'd say, hey, check this out, man. It's almost 8 o'clock. Bill O'Reilly is on, so we need to speed this up because I need to go watch it. And so I would watch it, 
Then after I watch it, I would be angry because of what is going on. Then my beautiful wife and all the wisdom said, Hey, if you're getting so angry and you hate getting angry all the time, just stop watching it. And she was right. Now, folks, I'm not here to knock you. If you can watch and, and listen to it and balance, balance your life and not be angry, more power to you. But I had to stop. Because number one, that was I was focusing too much on what was happening in the political realm and I was, wasn't focusing as much on studying the Word of God as I should. And so I had to choose one or the other. But it just really got me upset. And in our society today, right, you see some of the things that are upsetting us, right? You have people say, oh, black lives matter, and, and you have people angry over, over that. You, a few years ago, you had to occupy Wall Street, right? People angry because of, the, of wealthy people in our society. You have people angry that Donald Trump is president, and they're angry about it. And then you have, recently, you have people angry over the Confederate flag and the statues. And so we want to remove all of that because it's just too angry and too oppressive. When I was uh, in Tampa Bay, I went to uh, school in uh, the city of Brandon. And uh, on the way on Highway 75, there used to be this huge Confederate flag. And I would drive by it every day, not paying any attention, because life is too short for me to be stressing over a flag. And so I would just drive. But my roommate lived in the same, worked in the same area, and he would come home every day mad because he saw that flag. Every day. And I'd say, listen, man, life is too short. Life is too short to waste brain cells and, and anger on all that, right? But this is what our society, right? These are just some of the things that our society is in flux over. Now, folks, if we are not careful, we can allow some of these things because I don't, know, I don't know where you stand politically or where you stand on any of those things because quite frankly, beloved, it's not important. Because all of us, we are bonded by the blood of Christ. And we're trying to get to heaven. And so we shouldn't allow any of these things, regardless of how you feel about it, that should never permeate the kingdom of God. You understand what I'm saying? It should never allow us to be divided over these things. And so I don't know where you stand on it, and it doesn't matter, but if we are not careful, we can allow the anger of society and the anger of some of these things to affect our lives to the point where we drift away from God and are no longer faithful to Him. Now the Bible has a lot to say about anger. There are some people who say that it's wrong to get angry, it's a sin. Well, that's not true, because we just read where Paul says, Be angry, yet what? Do not sin. Now God, where does, where does anger and our emotions come from? It comes from God. Now, what does God want us to do with our emotions? Well, folks, He wants us to master it. Be angry. Don't let your anger cause you to sin. Master it. Master your anger. Right? And so in the Bible, it tells us about anger. And there are two different words used uh, in the Bible concerning anger. The first word is a Greek word called orge, and this is the indignation which has arisen gradually and become more settled. This suggests a more settled or abiding condition of mind, frequently with a view of taking revenge. So this is when somebody has wronged you, and then you have, in your anger, you allow that anger to build up. And so as you see that person or you remember what that person has done with you, that anger just keeps building up to the point where you want revenge. You want to get even with them because of what they have done to you. This anger is a lingering, seething emotion. Remember with Cain and Abel? As Cain saw how much God appreciated what uh, Abel was, was doing and that anger was just building up in him, that he went out to kill him. Well, this is the type of anger uh, that is described here. The second kind of anger comes from the Greek word timos. And this is a sudden outburst of passionate anger. Barclay describes it as the blaze of temper which flares into violent words or deeds and just as quickly dies. You may know it better today in our society as blowing off steam. Well, they're just blowing off steam because they're angry. 
Well, folks, both of these are very dangerous. And in our time together today, we're going to, going to look at this. We're going to look at uh, the, this anger this, this morning, this Timos anger. And then, Lord willing, this evening, we will look at the anger that is seething and, and uh, one that prompts one to uh, take revenge. Well, how, how do we deal with a hot-tempered person? Well, these are the kinds of people, first of all, that when they get angry, they do not think. And so because in their anger they are not thinking, they are going to say things that they regret. Well, the wise man in Proverbs uh, 14 and verse 17 says this, A quick-tempered man acts foolishly, and a man of wicked intentions is hated. So when somebody has this type of anger, in their anger they are not thinking about what they're saying. So they just jump out and say things that they are going to regret. That is a, a result of them being overwhelmed by their emotions. Proverbs 27 and verse 4. Wrath is fierce and anger is a flood. But who can stand before jealousy? This is individuals who are in their anger because they are so angry. They lash out and they say and do things that they ought not to do. Well, folks, you may or may not be aware of this, right? But it is often difficult to deal with an angry person because they're angry, right? And in their anger, they're not thinking straight. They're not being rational. And so when you are dealing with that, you must first try to get them to calm down, right? You have to get them to calm down. Well, how do you do that? Do you respond in anger with their anger? Well, no, that's not going to do it. So what do you need to do? Well, we need to speak to them so that they can listen. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up rage. You see, folks, if somebody is angry, whether you think they should be or not, that's really not the, not the, the, the point of it. You have to get them to calm down. Getting them to calm down means that you have to be gentle in your response. You cannot respond in kind. Because the goal is to get them to think rationally. The goal is to get them to come down from their anger so they do not do something that they will regret. And so you have to be that voice of reason. Do not use words to contribute to their anger. Well, why is that? Well, because responding to anger with anger will only, um, will only further escalate things. Right? Proverbs 29 and verse 22. An angry person starts fights. A hot-tempered person commits all kinds of sin. So why should you not respond with anger? Well, you're just going to make things worse. You're going to put gasoline on a fire and it's going to make it worse. Look at our society today, folks. You have all of these issues that people are angry over. And what are people doing? They're pouring gasoline on it. And they're just making it worse. So we ought not to be that way. It is often very difficult to be calm in the face of strong emotion. You see, often an angry person is looking for a fight, so they may say things that ought not to be said. Proverbs 15 and verse 8, A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contentions. You see, sometimes, folks, there are individuals who just want to provoke. They just want to fight. They just want to do it because they love to see people and they love to get in a rage and they love to get people in a rage. Uh, every year in Alabama, Lance goes to this uh, uh, Profitable for Teaching uh, in Alabama every October. And last year, I went and uh, every, it's uh, eight hours in the morning, we have these different preachers and they talk about different subjects. And then at night... We have a little devotional, and so we'll sing songs, and then if there are questions for the speakers, you can ask it. And so the, the individual who 
you know, held it together, he would ask one of the young preachers there to lead singing. So he asked this young preacher to do it. And so prior, while we're getting ready, he is kind of going over the songs that he wants to sing. And there's a song that he wanted to sing. We're marching to Zion, right? You all know it. Beautiful song. Beautiful song. And so he's there just kind of going over in head. Well, his friend was like, hey, that song is wrong because Zion is the church. So it should be we've marched to Zion. And I'm sitting there going, this is really ridiculous to, to bring this up. Beautiful song, right? Ultimate Zion is heaven. Beautiful song. So his friend was like, hey, well, I like the song, so I'm going to sing it. Well, no, you're wrong for singing it. And so they start arguing. So then this guy, who doesn't think he should sing the song, then they start arguing. Pretty soon, they start yelling at each other. That defeats the whole purpose of singing, right? <laughs> right? The whole purpose is to worship God and glor- give uh, God the glory. Here you are uh, fighting with each other. Then he turns to me. Justin, what do you think? I think I should just leave. Because <laughs> I'm not wasting my time with this. But here it is, getting angry over a song that is supposed to be singing praises to God. See, there are people like that. They want to start and uh, start fires. They want to engage and get you to engage in that sort of thing. But you know what is important, beloved? We need to remember love. And love is required to withstand the abuse until calmness prevails. Proverbs 10 and verse 12. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. It is very difficult when you're dealing with somebody who has an anger issue. It is very difficult to love them in that circumstance, but you have to. Because God loves us. He has loved us even when we didn't deserve it. He loves us even when we don't deserve it today. You see, it's just like the Christians in Corinth. Remember that that church had a whole lot of problems, you know, right? A man took his father's wife. You had people that were saying they were of Apollos and they were of Paul. And then you had people arguing over spiritual gifts. Everybody wanted the gifts of, of tongues. Now put yourself in that church. You walk in and there's all of these arguments, right? Everybody wants the gift of tongues. And all of this is happening. And then in the middle of it, in chapter 13, Paul says, you all have to stop. You have to remember what is important. Because if you can have the gift of tongues and all of these gifts, but you don't have love, then it means nothing. Because love is important. And it's the same thing in dealing with somebody who has this kind of anger. Love is required. Now if you think you're having a difficult time, and often we may, think about Jesus. Who, even though he was reviled, Paul says, didn't revile in return. He was mistreated. He knew that he was going to be mistreated. Here is God in the flesh, right? Who everybody was, uh, the the Messiah that everybody was was hoping for, right? That the Jews were hoping for. That was written of that they mistreated. But he didn't mistreat them in return. So we must remember Love. But what we also need to do, folks, in that love, what we call tough love, we need to not shield a person from the consequences of their anger. See, I'm not talking about the hippie kind of love where you just like, hey, it's okay. No. In that love, they must also know that for every action, there is a consequence. And so when they are engaging in this kind of behavior, they must know that there's a consequence for it. A hot-tempered person must pay the penalty, rescue them, and they will do it again. So they must know when it is done that this is something that is not acceptable. Or else they're going to continue to do it. So what is the solution for being hot-tempered. Well, humility. We need to, first of all, practice humility. And you see, when we are rescued from mistakes, that could cause a person to become arrogant, 
because they see no need to change, because they don't have to deal with the consequences. My daughter is two, and she's every bit as two. She's the reason I'm losing my hair, right? She does things because she's a two-year-old and she thinks she can have her way. But I have to show her, my, uh, her mom and I, we have to show her that her actions have consequences. Because if we do not show it to her, she will do it again and do it again and then she will end up hurting herself or get out into society and hurt someone else. So they, you have to know that there are consequences. Why? God does it with us. The Hebrew writer says, God disciplines us as his children. If he did not discipline us, we are what? Illegitimate children. So when we step out of bounds, God has to rein us in and he does it so that we, he, we can know that he is our father and he loves us. And it's the same thing in dealing with somebody who has a, uh, an, a quick temper anger problem. You have to show them that there are consequences to their actions. Why? You love them. You don't want them to keep doing it. Well, folks, it's very easy for me to preach about how to deal with a hot-tempered person. But how do you deal with the hot-tempered person in yourself? And that's the true test, right? It's easy to see it in other people. But how do you deal with it yourself? Well, folks, the most common reason for getting angry is attempting to control something that we, quite frankly, have no control over. It is a futile attempt at forcing your will uh, onto someone or something else. We need to remember this, that in our anger, you, we don't think well. So finding things you can control are often not explored. There are lots of things in our society, folks, that we can look at from a, a Christian perspective, certainly so, from a righteousness perspective that we just have no control over. Our society is debased. It has always been that way, and it will always be that way. And there is nothing we can do about it. Nothing. Because you have society, you have people that are just determined to do what is wrong. So we need to focus on things that we can control. We need to hold back our emotions. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Self-control. We have to practice self-control. And whatever it is that we do, don't let your first emotion be anger and don't rush headlong into it. The wise man in Ecclesiastes 7 verse 9. Do not be eager in your heart to be angry, for anger resides in the bosom of fools. Instead, force yourself to listen. You know, that's one of the main causes of anger. People's inability to listen. So what does James say? James 1, beginning in verse 19. Know this, my beloved brethren. Let every man be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not work the righteousness of God. Always, beloved, be quick to hear. Always. J.T. Smith, a preacher I studied with, used to say, that's why God made two ears and one mouth. Always be quick to hear and be slow to speak. Because that's when you usually get in trouble. So if you, you are at odds with somebody, right? You go to that person, and instead of accusing them of something, you say, hey, Michael, can you tell me, can you tell me once again what you said? And when he says it, listen to it. Listen. You don't understand, say, hey, could you repeat that? Could you explain this? And listen. And a lot of times, it will be resolved because it was a misunderstanding. You misheard what was said. And so we need to force ourselves to listen. Gather your facts. And understand what is really happening. 
The angry person is not necessarily angry about the actual facts, but they're, they're usually angry about what they thought they heard or what they thought what was said or what they thought happened. And the actual facts are explained, then usually the problem dissipates. But in order to do that, you have to be rational about it and you have to be willing to listen. Do not interject your opinions too soon. Saying what you think will be perceived as a challenge to the person's character or integrity. Instead, gently feedback responses that will let the other person know you heard them, even if you don't agree with their conclusion. Why should you do all of this? Beloved, it is not about winning a battle. It's about settling a dispute. It's about getting to heaven. It's about making sure that you and that person are in agreement together so that you can continue on your journey to heaven. <coughs> Try your very best to avoid personal attacks because that is the mark of a respectable person. Good sense makes one slow to anger and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Don't, don't say things that will personally hurt that person. Don't do, don't do it. You see that in our election a lot, right? Every time the election time rolls around, the issues are really never debated. It's always personal attacks. Don't be like politicians. Don't be like people in the world. But avoid those personal attacks. This is what Jesus meant when he talked about turning the other cheek. In Matthew 5 and verse 39, But I say to you, do not resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the, uh, turn to him the, uh, turn, turn the other to him also. And finally, brethren, understand this. That quick-tempered is a learned response. No one is born this way, but you're taught it. Proverbs 22 and verse 24. Don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people, or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. You see all of these people that protest, all of these different pictures I had up there? If you ask the majority of them why they are doing it, they will tell you, well, we just joined in. My friend was doing it. He was angry. I got angry. When I first moved to the United States, I was 12. Moved to California. My uncle sat me down and he said, listen, Justin, listen. You have now come to the United States of America and it is not Trinidad. You are a young black man. And you will either end up dead or in jail because this country doesn't like you. That's what he told me at 12. So I sat there and said, what did I just walk into? And so for a large part of my life, I didn't like anything about America. Nothing. Didn't like the police, because I was taught, police are bad. And so I had a lot of anger, folks. A lot of anger. Anger at things and people that I ought not to have had anger for. And if it were not for the grace of God, I would not be here today. Didn't like all kinds of people. But I was taught that, folks. And the irony is, the same uncle that told me that as a black person I would either end up dead or in jail was a professor living in a condo in San Francisco. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to California, but to own a condo in San Francisco means you have a successful life. But he's telling me I had no hope. And so I was angry. But it took God's people... Christians that I met to show me a better way. But you see, it's a learned response, folks. It's a learned behavior. But if you continue in it, you will endanger your soul. 
And that's more important, folks. It is important for us to not allow what is happening in our society to cause us to be angry. Angry with each other or angry with God. There is so much anger in our society. In that anger, you see people saying and doing things that they ought not to do. But here's the beauty of the Word of God. Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 1, offers a solution to us. There's a a way out. A way out of anger. Because folks, if we don't control anger, it will destroy us. But this is what Peter says in 1 Peter 1 and verse 22. Since you have in obedience to the truth purified your soul with a sincere love for the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is uh, perishable, but imperishable, that is through the living and enduring word of God. We as Christians, we have been given the greatest blessing that God could have ever given man, and that is His Son. And with that, folks, comes responsibility. We are to be different people. We are to be different than everyone else in the world. Jesus would say it like this. You are the salt of the earth. What does salt do? Flavor things. My great-grandmother, when she was alive, she couldn't eat salt. So my aunt would cook curry without salt. I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm part Indian. From India, Indian. And I don't know if you've ever had curry. But curry without salt is not good. <laughs> Right? Salt flavor things. So what, is Jesus, what, is, what did Jesus mean by that? Well, he said this. He, he means this. You are the difference maker. You are to enhance things. So when the world is angry, you are to be the voice of calm, salt. When the world is speaking harsh and evil things, you are to be the salt of the earth. Speak good things. Everywhere you go, your difference needs to be felt. You need to offer people a way out. You can't add flame fuel to it. Now you may sit there and you may say, well, I feel so and so about this. Doesn't matter, folks, because you will miss heaven in your anger. Life is too short. Death is certain. And heaven is too precious to miss. So what do you do? You need to offer people a way out. If you are not a Christian, and if there are things in your life that is resting heavy on your soul, if if you have uh, anger issues, if you're dealing with sin, God offers a way out. And that way out is through His Son. Now it's not enough to just believe in God, because the demons do that. What you need to do is be baptized for the remission of your sins. You're not baptized to be added to the church because we cannot do that. God does. But you are baptized for the remission of your sins. That is when you submit yourself to the will of God and that is when you allow God to work. You come out of that water. You are a new creature. And guess what? You are not alone because you are surrounded by people who love you And who will be your brothers and sisters in Christ. Who will help you on your journey to heaven. That is powerful, folks. If you are a Christian, and you are struggling with anger, you're struggling with any sin, Paul tells us in Galatians that we have a responsibility to help you. Well, folks, how can we help you if you're not willing to tell us what you need help with? You see... One of the things as a preacher that that really just... You have people who are struggling in sin. They don't say anything. And then when they they stop, they blame the church people. Well, it's you. It's your fault. Well, no. You never told me. I'm not a mind reader. 
No one is. So if you're struggling with something, you need to let us know so we can help you. If you don't tell us, we can't help you. Or maybe it is something that you can take care of between you and God. Well, take care of it. Take care of it while we sing the song. If, God forbid, if you are angry with anybody here in this congregation that you worship with, resolve it today. Do not put it off. Do not allow your ego to say, well, I can't because... Don't do that. But you go and fix it. Whether it was right or wrong, well, I don't like the way she or he said it. Doesn't matter. Fix it. Because you don't want to miss heaven. Get it right. Resolve it. And worship God together. So if we can help you in any way, please come as we stand and sing. Said Jesus will receive Father in prayer. Oh gracious Father, we're so thankful that you bless these bodies with the willingness and the spirit to rise this morning with you solely on our mind. We gathered here to worship thee in spirit and in truth.
We do so, Heavenly Father, by thanking you for being our one and only. Thanking thee as our maker and blessing us, Heavenly Father, with the will and the knowledge to be obedient to your word. You blessed us, Heavenly Father, with things that we tend to take for granted. The nourishment for our bodies, the raiment that protects us from the element. And most of all, you blessed us with the presence of your Son on this earth to teach us how to live, how to be restored to you. He did so, Heavenly Father, as being the sinless one, the precious lamb that gave his life on Calvary's cross so that we may have the hope for eternal life with you and your son. We pray at this time, Heavenly Father, that we continue to do those things that we know that is righteous for us as saints to do. We pray for that segment of our congregation that are physically impaired in such a way that they couldn't be with us this morning. We also pray, Heavenly Father, for the saints that have been devastated and displaced by the raging storm uh, in our nation today. We pray that they will continue to be hopeful. We pray that they know that we will be with them. We do so, Heavenly Father, by supporting them as our sisters and brothers, doing so as you have shown us how to love, doing so because this is how you have loved us. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we put no other responsibility before us. These are the things that will ensure us the hope of the glory that you have promised us. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you continue to be with Brother Justin as he proclaim your word. And we pray that we, as a congregation here, continue to love each other and take that love the highways and the byways in which we travel. We pray that you will be with us until we meet here again. This prayer and all we ask in your son Jesus' name. Thank <laughs> you.